0: that we started with last Sunday and we were not able to finish it. Uh, The title of uh, this two-part series is How to Recognize and Resist Religious Spirits. How to Recognize and Resist Religious Spirits. So let's just pray right now and let's ask God to help us. Uh, to lay a hold of the word. I'll be asking God to help me to proclaim the word, uh, to teach it accurately, and, uh, and um, that we are really getting a good handle on this thing because uh, the Bible warns us that in the last days that spirit is absolutely rampant, and we need to know how to recognize it. We need to know how to resist it. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you right now. Again, Lord, as we come around the time of opening the word of God, Lord, for the teaching and the preaching of your word, we want to thank you, Father, that your word is living, it's powerful, it is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and of spirit, of the bone and of the marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts. And of the intents of the heart. And so, God, we open up our heart to you. We thank you, Lord, for uh, bringing revelation to each and every one of us, giving us insights. We thank you, Lord, for strengthening things that need to be strengthened. We thank you, Lord, for uh, correcting things that need to be corrected. We thank you, God, for showing us all things that we need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As mindful as us preparing uh, for this. Uh, um, series of messages. When I say series, uh, today we'll probably wrap this up. We started last week, uh, so it'll be two Sundays. Uh, I reckon two Sundays out of 52 is enough to give to religious devils. Um, <laughs> praise God. And uh, I was mindful that uh, though I've made reference to religious spirits along the way, I was mindful that in my 30 years of, uh, of uh, teaching ministry, I've never taught on the religious spirit uh, in a Sunday uh, service setting. Uh, we teach somewhat in uh, Bible college, but not on a Sunday. Um, and I really felt that God wanted us to do that. I approached the subject with some sense of apprehension. Uh, and, and here's why. And I made reference to some of that last week. It's because you put a religious spirit... Uh, and how it operates through a person, and you put a genuine believer who operates by the Holy Spirit side by side, the difference sometimes is very subtle. Very subtle. And it takes the word of God to slice between those two, and to say, this is fake, and this is real. And along the way, Uh, Sometimes my nature in preaching is if there's anything that uh, we can poke fun at, I'm liable to poke fun at it uh, and to kind of help to expose things that are not genuine and real. The last thing I'd want to do is to poke fun at the genuine thing. But I definitely want to poke at the fake, at the pretense, um, and so I'm trusting God that God will help me today to do a good job at that. And once again, uh, uh, I need your help today. If I'm saying something that you agree with, uh, then you shout yes and amen. And if I say something that you disagree with, you just smile and and you just look straight ahead and uh, and just be real, real, uh, real, real cool, calm, and collected. All right? Is that all right? Praise God. So um, I will I will repeat a few things. I'm going to do a bit of a recap on where we've been. Last week, and then we 're going to carry on from there. There will be some repetition, uh, and again, ask you to be gracious. Sometimes repeating things is necessary in order for us to lay a hold of things. You know what they told us when we learned how to read and write and learn mathematics and so forth? It's uh, that repetition is the mother of all learning. so let's repeat some things. First of all, I want to start with the scripture. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, which we have put as the uh, key scripture right at the front, saying here, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so we've said that every every born-again believer has been totally set free by Jesus Christ through his sacrificial suffering and death on the cross. However, we said that Satan seeks to keep people in bondage. Through lies and deceptions uh, uh, that are spread through demonic teachings and uh, if a Christian has managed to get to a place of liberty the devil will try to re-enslave them and pull them back into bondage again and here in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 it says the spirit clearly says that in the later times one translation says in the latter times uh, or in the last days it says some will abandon the faith and follow Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Um, And the Holy Spirit warns us here about these deceiving spirits that uh, try to infiltrate the life of the believer, try to infiltrate churches, and try to infiltrate Christianity as a whole to bring these deceptive teachings, false teachings. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 it says dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to determine if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we said that we need to test the spirit. How do we test the spirit? Well, we need to test the human spirit of the person that is operating and that is putting forth, um, I guess, religious thoughts. Um, so we test the human spirit to see where they're at and we also test the spirit by which they operate. Uh, uh, because these people do not operate by the Holy Spirit. They operate by religious spirits who bring false teaching. Um, we said uh, three ways we test them. Number one, we test Test them against the written word of God. The written word is absolutely always the plumb line. Everything that's crooked will show up if we put it against the plumb line of the word of God. We said we also test them against the character of God, that sometimes some of these people are so crafty and so clever, but many times very judgmental and very uh, very un, unbending and very un... Uh, uh, what's the word? N- n- no flexibility uh, and not peaceful at all. And the Bible tells us that the wisdom of God is first peaceable. It is easily entreated. It comes with with, with, it comes gentle and with good fruit and so forth. And then number three we said that we test them by their fruit. Jesus says by their fruit you will know them. And so we've said that uh, in examining I guess uh, 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 looking at the word uh, regarding evil spirits, all evil spirits are called unclean or foul spirits, and they're called evil spirits. That, if you like, that term fits for every demon spirit, uh, every evil spirit. And uh, one thing that I failed to do in last week, and though this is not meant to be a comprehensive teaching on all different types of evil spirits, but here's a point that's worth mentioning. Unclean spirits, um, foul spirits, will produce or will seek to entice uh, people into uncleanness, and many times it 's uncleanness in the air, in the sexual area uh, that enticing people into every sexual deviation uh, every sexual practice that is other than a sexual uh, Activity between a married husband and wife. So, deceiving spirits are known because they deceive people. They're all deceptive. Dece- deceiving spirits are very clever at deceiving people and very, very crafty. Uh, we've said that they're lying spirits, and we talked about spirits of in- infirmity and so forth. Another spirit that I thought was worth uh, listing uh, is uh, what we call, or what the Bible calls, familiar spirits. Familiar spirits. Now, familiar spirits, the Bible speaks about those in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, and they typically work alongside and through mediums and wizards uh, and people like that uh, and, and kind of uh, people that try to contact the dead uh, and such like. Um, we need to realize that for us as Christians, God has absolutely forbidden any contact with the dead whatsoever. Um, And uh, these spirits, many times, uh, they have been assigned to families over many generations. Um, And so that's why they have inside information about families. And you'll find sometimes there's whole TV programs around all of that where these spiritists and these people talk about, you know, about a, a family issue. And people are flabbergasted. How would you know that? Well, the devil knows it. The devil knows it. The devil knows that family's history. The devil has been assigned to this family over many, many, many generations and, and just knows everything that goes on, is a part of practically every conversation that goes on and listens in and, and so forth and then uh, brings forth uh, understandings uh, through a certain setting, uh, that uh, naturally speaking only people could know but the spirits know it and the spirits give this information. It's like a demonic word of knowledge to a medium, uh, to a spiritist uh, and then people are just enticed and pulled into that whole world. Um, Another thing is that these these, uh, demon spirits many times masquerade as the souls, the disembodied souls of departed people, departed loved ones and come back and visit family, and they look like their father or their mother or their uncle or their auntie or their brother and begin to talk to them, Um, and people are deceived in this way. Uh, Friend, let me tell you, any appearance of a, a person that has died is a demonic manifestation, typically of a familiar spirit. And uh, we ought to outright, outright reject any such notion at any stage, at any time. The Bible says it is appointed unto man to die once and then judgment. And there are sometimes these lies being sprayed around that there is, uh, you know, human spirits or people or the spirits of people that have died that are roaming the earth that can't leave because of this, that, and the other. It's all lies. Once a, a person that has died, they're, they're gone. They're, they go to heaven or to hell. They don't stick around. But who sticks around and who roams the earth is demon spirits that have this knowledge. In fact, the interesting thing is, and this is all I'm going to say on this. But the word familiar spirits, the word familiar uh, in the in the Hebrew language uh, comes from the root word to know. To know, they know things about people. They know things about family, and it is with this knowledge. They deceive people, and they seem to have the ability to make themselves look like uh, family members that have died to come back and to communicate. Uh, In fact, I've met people... Uh, years ago now I met one man uh, he says it's night after night uh, his father who had passed away some years ago came to visit him night after night and sat at the uh, edge of his bed and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him and he absolutely was convinced that it was his father visiting him and I says no it wasn't your father visiting you that's a familiar spirit that is a devil that is coming to visit you well you know he didn't take that on board and he was a bit offended by that but uh, anyway praise God the, uh, one category of demon spirits, um, uh, that are known as religious spirits, uh, we made a few statements about them, I want to repeat that, uh, we said that religious spirits are demons that specialize in religion, religion full stop, um, and, uh, of course they're not all specializing in Christianity, some would specialize in false religions, quite obviously, um, and, uh, You know, you get some very fervent fervent preachers in false religions, and that fervor is not a human fervor. That fervor is a spiritual fervor fervor that comes from a religious spirit that is possessing that person to put forth lies to deceive the masses. But then you get these uh, devils that specialize in Christianity, Christianity. And and they specialize in that. They're a class of demons that teach doctrines of devils. And here's the deal, friends. The devil will not come and appear to a person uh, like having, you know, like this horrible creature that's slightly bent over, has got two horns and a long tail, and so forth, and say, I am the devil. I'm here to deceive you. Friends, that's not how it works. The Bible says Satan is even able to appear as an angel of light. And uh, the Bible speaks of false, prof- uh, false apostles, false prophets, false teachers, false brethren, uh, and so forth. And the falsity of it uh, is what gets people. Uh, these demons, uh, they will put enough truth into anything uh, in order to, to beguile uh, you know, uh, Christians who don't know their, the, the Bible very well and then put in the lies to kind of lure them away and deceive them away. And as we've said, that they seek to enslave Christians with religious lies, twisted deceptions. And of course, religious spirits are Satan's counterfeit for the Holy Spirit. All right, they're a counterfeit spirit. They're not the real the real Holy Spirit. They are a counterfeit. Uh, and, you know, the Holy Spirit gives people words of knowledge to help other people. As we've said before, these people uh, with uh, familiar spirits, they give words of knowledge as well. In fact, I've watched a program some years ago now uh, where there was some uh, question mark over, you know, these uh, these ministers that operate in uh, public meetings. to have amazingly accurate words of knowledge uh, that they give. And People come out and, 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 and get prayed for and get healed and so forth. And so was the, these people that produced a program and they called some non-Christians out, uh, you know, into the audience, come out and you tell us what you see. And I mean, the accuracy of somebody's word of knowledge was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's like, wow. You know, the Bible speaks of false signs and wonders. They're not all pretend. They're, that Some of them are just accurate knowledge, like It's amazing. Uh, And so this is how Christians sometimes get taken in. So we need to be careful. We said, and just quickly as the last statement uh, that I would like to repeat is that we said that Pharisees and other religious leaders during the days of Christ on the earth, uh, they were like the epitome of religious people driven by and motivated by religious spirits. Um, and uh, if we want to do any study along religious spirits, just read after uh, what these religious leaders said and what they did and how they dressed and how they acted, it'll give you the perfect picture. Uh, the first point, and i got five, six points I want to run through, I guess, to kind of, um, you know, nail this thing. First point that I made was that religious spirits drive Christians to become overly strict in their faith. And we've said that uh, if the devil cannot demotivate a Christian to backslide, to kind of go back again to where they've come from, the Bible calls it backsliding, uh, and if the devil can't sidetrack them into error uh, by you know, getting into all sorts of uh, error and into all sorts of uh, uh, deception and so forth, then he will drive them forward uh, so hard uh, and, 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 and get them to become very, very strict. Uh, in in their faith or in the outworking of their faith. And the the emphasis is on the word strict. There's a very strictness to it uh, and very legalistic. People become legalistic with themselves and they become legalistic with others around them. All right. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 23, it speaks about such practices. It says that they have indeed an outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self imposed rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline. Underline the word there's severity of discipline, like, you know, like, you know, very religious about things, discipline of the body, but they have no value of checking the indulgence of the flesh, uh, which is the lower nature. Instead, they do not honor God, but serve only to indulge the flesh. So it appears very spiritual, but it is actually a flesh issue, uh, and not just out of the human flesh, but it is human flesh overlaid with a demon spirit that really drives that person um, And so to become very strict, uh, there's nothing, there's no liberty there. It's all bondage uh, and outwork through a very strict, strict uh, kind of uh, uh, expression. Then number two, and here we want to carry on. Religious spirits make Christians feel condemned if they fall short in their self-imposed rigor of devotion. Rigor of devotion. And the emphasis there is on the rigor. Rigor is very is harsh, uh, you know, all of these rules, all of these regulations. Remember that Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, the Christian life is a rest. In fact, the Bible says we should labor to enter into rest, which is a bit of, it sounds like an anomaly, but it's not. But we need to get into a place of rest where we can rest. And then Jesus says, he says, take my yoke upon you. He says, my bur- my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you look at the Christians that have got the, the yoke and the burden of Jesus on their life, you know, they're managing fine. They're just, you know, praise God, you know. I mean, there's obviously challenges here and there, but other than that, they're doing well because they've Stepped into a place of liberty. Not a liberty to do their own thing, but a liberty to serve Christ. And then in comes the religious devil and he lays heavy burdens on them. Um, rules and regulations and drives them uh, in this self-imposed rigor of devotion uh, that we have just uh, read about here before. Um, and here is, and, and that makes them feel condemned. It's like there's all of these rules and regulations where they are bound to fail. And when they fail, the devil comes in and homes in on them, So you have failed. You are a terrible Christian. And then pushes them down and condemns them. Now here's what Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 says. And we've just read uh, in the earlier part of that chapter before. Uh, here he goes on to say, or in fact, in the latter part, he says in verse 16, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Then people get all religious about what they eat or drink. Now, of course, it's good wisdom to eat healthy foods. We're talking about completely on a natural level, but when people have spiritual reasons for not eating this or eating that, religious spirit is not very far away. All right, let me tell you that. Religious spirit is not very far away. He says, uh, condemn you for what you eat or drink or for for not celebrating certain Holy days and new moon ceremonies and Sabbaths uh, and so forth. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come. And it says Christ himself is the reality. All right? Once you've got Jesus Christ, all of these sha- d- d- types and shadows and, and different things, uh, all the sacrificial system, all the food laws, uh, don't eat this, don't eat that, uh, dress this way and that way and the other, is all of these, Don't touch not, handle not, uh, you know, all of these rules and regulations, uh, obsolete. Uh, we serve Christ and we love God and we love people and that fulfills all the requirements. Uh, um, there's obviously some further detail uh, to that, but uh, these Religious devil, they just load on rule after rule after rule. Um, He goes on to say, verse 18, Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or on the worship of angels saying that they've had visions about these things. And then sometimes religious spirits or people with religious spirits claim to have had visions, claim that the Holy Spirit has spoken about this and about that and uh, and and so forth. It says their sinful minds have made them proud. Um, and so we need to realize that there's pride many times that operates uh, uh, in, in, in this type of environment. Uh, Romans chapter 4 also speaks about all of these do's and don'ts and must not do this and must not do that. And and it says in verse 22, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. All right, let's live right and then let's not... Uh, let the devil accuse us or let not let the devil condemn us or push us down. It says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. And so there is that false teaching that goes around uh, that... Uh, You know, I touched on some of that last week. Sabbath day, keeping not necessary for Christians. Um, Then must not eat this, must not eat that. Uh, Well, the Bible says all things are good and nothing is to be refused. Uh, Of course, uh, we ought to have a good sense on what's healthy and what's unhealthy and focus on the healthy things uh, uh, (laughs) and so forth. But becoming overly rigorous, even in this area, you need to watch that because the devil will come in and he will start driving you uh, in this area just the same. Uh, Then in certain types of dresses, there's a whole religious group uh, where I'm not sure about the women, but the men must wear white uh, undergarment um, and that whiteness uh, to them speaks of purity. but, of course, uh, an undergarment is an external thing, isn't it? Even though we wear it under our overgarment, it's still an external thing. So now people are focusing on the external rather than on the internal, rather than on the character. And you see, sometimes, see, here's what happens. Uh, as I say, this thing, the range of how this thing operates is so wide that it's hard to, to lock it down into one area. Sometimes you get Christians that go so hard after, oh, we've got to have signs and wonders. We need the miracles and everything. And, and overemphasizing we're emphasizing on that. At and under emphasizing on the development of character. Right. All right? Should we have miracles? Absolutely, let's have more of them. But as I say, sometimes the focus goes too far in one direction and in another. And this is what the devil will do. He, if people, the Christians that are walking straight, they will push you off in this direction or push you off in that direction and start driving you. Um, and like the sky is the limit, what the devil thinks up is unbelievable. Um, it's like. Um, you know, it's like there's religious uh, pride sometimes let loose. And I'm going to say something and, uh, and, uh, while we're talking about these things. Uh, of late, we have this wonderful technology called DNA testing. Um, and uh, and uh, people get their DNA tested sometimes for interest's sake because they want to know in regards to where their ancestors came from. And some of that is meant to be very accurate. But here's the deception of it. Uh, when they come back to you and they tell you that Jesus is your uncle... Um, then uh, can I tell you that you've been deceived? Can I tell you that that is total and utter deception? And sometimes people gloat in regards to their, uh, their ancestry, uh, whether that's this, that, or the other, or even including their uh, Jewish ancestry, which is meant to be some gain. But here's what Paul says. When Paul says, when I came to Christ, he says, and the Judaizers who gloated in all of that, he says, I'm a Jew as well. In fact, I'm a Jew of the Jews. He says, I'm of the tribe of the Benjamites. Now, the Benjamites were way up in the pecking order as far as how they all saw each other. He says, not only that, he says, I was part of the strictest religion of the Jews. He says, I was a Pharisee. And he went down the list of all of his natural um, uh, credentials. But, he says, I counted all but Dung. And he used the word dung. Now, I could think of another word right now uh, that would not be appropriate to use. Um, Not be appropriate to use, but sometimes people hold things very dear and very close to themselves, but Paul says it's nothing but dung. All right? (laughs) Nothing but dung. Because when we come to Christ, uh, all of that means nothing. Where you have come from and who your ancestors are means nothing absolutely nothing in fact i would encourage people to just just loosen themselves from their ancestry a little bit and come into the clan of the, of the tribe of the of the lion of the tribe of Judah rather than claim this, claim the other and claim the other because Paul says it's all but done really uh, for us as Christians it means absolutely nothing uh, and so deceiving spirits will try every which way, they will try the way of the technology, they will try the way of of, uh, of religion, they will try this that and the other and sometimes I'm thinking oh gosh, you know what's ever happened to the simplicity of Christ, once we're born again we're brand new creations um, old things have passed away, you ancestry has passed away. You know what? You've, you've come into the church. Uh, and your culture, by the way, uh, is also gone because we have a kingdom culture to pursue and to uphold and to learn and to divorce ourselves from the culture that we've come out of. Some parts which we might be good to continue practicing, but other parts which are nothing short of demonic. So, uh, praise God for that. Is everybody alright this morning? Uh, everybody looking straight ahead. Uh, uh, everybody smiling. Wonderful Jesus. So, um, Self imposed uh, rigor of devotion. Number three, religious spirits motivate Christians into acting overly religious. Overly religious. Now, of course, the word religion can be used in a positive way as well as in a negative sense. Um, uh, In both areas, it will fit. The Bible will use it for both sides. Uh, So that's the difficulty of it, that sometimes uh, it's really only the Word of God that can slice down between the genuine and between the fake. So an overly religiousness. In fact, when Paul came to Athens, Acts chapter 16, And he he saw there that they had a monument there where they gathered, And they worshipped, you know, they offered worship to the unknown God. And they were very devoted. Uh, Furthermore, they got together. And the Bible says that these people there in Athens, the Greeks, spent nothing but to share about things that are new. You know, always talking about the latest thing. What's what's going on and everything else. And when Paul stood up and he says, all you people of Athens, he says, listen to me, he says, I perceive. He says, I stand here, and I'm kind of paraphrasing. I stand here at the monument to the unknown God. He says, I perceive. Perceived that in all things you are very religious. He says you are very religious, so they become very religious. Because he moved on from there and talked to them about the fact that the unknown God is actually not unknown; that He's known, and His name is Jesus Christ. And he preached the gospel to them. All right, but that overly religiousness that is struck there—if uh, you looked at it from a distance, you think, "Wow, these people are worshiping the true God," but they didn't know the true God until the true God was preached to them by Paul the apostle. So that overly religiousness, um, a Christian who is in the clutches of a religious spirit will, will feel either spiritually inadequate or will feel spiritually superior. It'll be one or the other. That's why the scope of that religious devil, it like goes from east to west. I mean, it's very wide. Hard to pinpoint it over here. You will get a Christian that's uh, had a, a religious spirit latch onto them, and the religious devil will push them down and start condemn them and tell them that they're no good. And this person will start to feel spiritually um, inadequate. And then the danger is because they feel internally inadequate that they start to make up for it externally with a certain way of, you know, that's when people start to wear, you know, chains around the neck and very big cross. Uh, it's like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> okay. Now, if you wear a cross enjoy it, then be happy with it. You know, I'm not against a cross if you wear one. Uh, there was a while when I wore one. I haven't got one on right now, but I might put one on tomorrow, so don't worry about it. Uh, but as this is what happens. So, uh, 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 such a Christian will feel spiritually inadequate, and when the devil really got a hold of, a, of, of another Christian over here, that a person will feel spiritually superior to everybody because now they've acquired Bible knowledge and they know a lot of things. Uh, and they're able to run rings around most Christians. And we said last week that demon spirits, demon spirits know how to quote pages and pages and pages of the Bible. They know the scriptures back to front. You see, the devil, we need to realize, the devil is actually a religious devil. You think about this. When the devil came into the garden of Eden in the form of a serpent and he tempted Eve uh, and deceived her, when God told them, God placed Adam and Eve into the garden of Eden and and he said to them, look, he says, of every tree in the garden you're able to freely eat from. um, And he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat of it, for in the day that you do, you will surely die. It was the stated stated, uh, 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 plan. God says, eat of everything except of this tree. Um, In comes the devil, and he says, has God said, has God said. Now, here the devil is now starting to quote scripture. Is in, you know, the word of the Lord. God told him what what it's going to be, and has God really said that you shall not eat of any trees? So he's now probing, he's now testing. I mean, Eve, what do you really know? And uh, has God said that, you know, they're not allowed to eat of any tree? And Eve says, no, 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 no. No, no, God's told us that we're able to take, uh, partake of every tree in the garden, except of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because God says that we're not allowed to eat of it or touch of it. Well, actually, God didn't tell them to not touch it, but it would be pure wisdom if you're not supposed to eat something don't touch it either uh, it would be uh, you know it would make common sense but actually there was already a, a misquoting there and then he says ah oh, has god said well actually uh, the devil proceeds uh, religious devil now okay satan himself oh he says look he says he says uh, god does not want you to eat of this tree because because god knows that uh, the day you eat of it he, say, he, say, he says he said he number one you will not die You will not die. Well, that's a lie right there. God told them they were going to die, and die they did. Because we know when we study Scripture that they died in two ways. They died spiritually immediately, and they began to die physically forward, and, uh, you know, sometime later they were dead. All right. But he says, you will will not surely die. Furthermore, God knows that if you eat off this tree, you're going to become just like God, knowing good and evil. So he's now quoting Scripture back to, to Eve. See, the devil is a religious devil. We need to realize this. He's crafty, I man. and he, he knows the scripture uh, better than what most Christians do. And, and, and he says, he says you'll be like God. Well, actually, they were already like God. God says, I made man in my image and in my likeness. They were already like God. And, and, and they already knew good, and that's all they need to know. They didn't have to know, partake of this tree to know good and evil. They already knew good. All that the devil introduced them to through deceiving them to eat this of this tree, this tree is to the, the introduction of evil and of course they died. So the devil is a religious devil. We need to realize this. Um, and so that overly acting religious, um, a religious spirit will tempt a Christian to kind of start looking like they are more than they really are in the area of religion and, and faith to overwork things. And that's why I said before, you get a Christian that becomes on fire for God and they're really going for it and they really love Jesus and really go hard out and that's the genuine thing, but there is a fake on the other side and only the word of God can slice down between the middle and say, look, this is to be commended. This is wonderful. God's really working here, but this is false. This is pretense. This is acting. This is just religiosity. All right? Um, Sadly, Many Christians play spiritual dress up, where they try to appear more spiritually mature than what they really are. And some environments lend themselves to that because sometimes if the leaders become like that or are like that, then people in the congregation will do the same thing because they feel that that's what you're supposed to do. Now, here's what that looks like. most of us adults have seen little kids, uh, you know, we dress them, and that's all fine and wonderful, and then they play dress-up, and then they go upstairs into, and find one of the wardrobes and, and, and take off their shoes and pull up mum or dad's shoes and step into the shoes of mom and dad, and then they hobble along and they put on big dresses or big coats or something. It's called dress-up. You know, kids love it, and it's wonderful. And, and, in fact, in some instances, parents literally put a set of clothes aside for the kids to play with and so forth. And it's all wonderful and it's all fantastic. Uh, um, but when Christians start doing that, <laughs> it's a fake, it's a pretense and they're not doing it to play as much as they're doing. They want, they want to look better than what they think they really are and a lot of it is just out of their own perceptions, out of that inadequacy that I've talked about before um, and then these ones over here, the ones that consider themselves spiritually more mature and more superior than everybody else, they become really clever with this thing. They've learned all the lingo. They, are, they, they know the language. They know the scriptures uh, sufficiently to run rings around uh, most Christians. Um, these people have learned to shake under the power of God when the power of God's not even there. They've just learned how to shake. They've learned to fall down and to roll around, and, and, and it's, it's, just, it's just an unbelievable thing. Now, I've shaken under the power of God. Don't get me wrong. So, say there is a genuine in the middle of all of that we're not saying that this is all fake uh, there is the genuine and, the, and then there is the fake and the two of them are very close side by side and it is only god's discernment that helps us and god's word that slices between those two to determine what's right and what's not second corinthians chapter 3 verse 4 paul speaking he says we have such trust through christ towards god not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Our sufficiency is from God. So what's Paul saying? He says we don't feel inadequate because in ourselves we haven't got anything anyway. Our sufficiency is in God. Paul says we don't need to pretend he says we don't need to dress up spiritually. We don't need to use all, all the lingo to make ourselves appear more clever and more spiritually advanced than what we really are. He says our sufficiency is in God. God makes us sufficient. Let's just be happy. Let's just be normal. Why do you have all, do you have all of these weird questions running around? <laughs> it's like, let's just be normal. <laughs> Proverbs 21, verse 3, clean living before God and justice with our neighbors mean far more to God than religious performance. Clean living. Clean living. And justice with your neighbor. Love God, love people. Religious devils over here—they've—they've—they uh, have learned how to act. But but the people that under that influence don't love people anymore. They're just all very judgmental and very harsh, uh, sometimes on themselves and some, most certainly on others around them. So, next point. In fact, <laughs> you're scaring me now. You've gotten, gotten very quiet here. You're scaring me now. Number four: religious spirits will oppose. And accuse genuinely righteous people. And it happens every time. Now here's what that looks like. When Jesus came, he obviously, he's the righteous one. And he's genuinely righteous. He wasn't pretending. He was the real deal. Who opposed him? Well, mostly the religious people. Mostly the religious people persecution many times doesn't come from the secular as much as it comes from the religious camp. And there's religious people around, around Jesus that were alive at the day, the, the whole Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the experts in the law and everything, they felt threatened. And now they started to come in and now they started to accuse him and now they said, we're going to take him down. And people with religious spirits, they have made accusations. I've had some of my friends, uh, friends in ministry, accused of stuff. It's like, where does that come from? I mean, I know these people. Um, And yet, sadly, there's other stuff that goes down too. We sometimes think, gosh, you know, this is not a good situation, what we're hearing and what's been proven now, stuff that's gone down. But gosh, religious devils, they know how to make up accusations. They know how to make up lies and to start to attack those who are genuinely... Righteous. So once again, it was absolutely the religious leaders of the day who condemned Jesus to death. And then they used the politician of the day who was uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, the governor over that area, a Roman soldier. They used him to ultimately uh, execute Jesus on the cross. But it was the Jews who instigated it. It was the Jews who pushed for it. And this guy only went ahead with it to save his own skin, uh, so to speak. And so that's the religious people of the day. And religious spirits, remember, the same religious devils that were around back then are still around today. They 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 don't die. They're already dead spiritually, but they're still around. It's the same devils. Some of these religious devils that specialize in Christianity, they've had 2,000 years to learn Christianity and to learn the Bible. It's uh, it's just amazing. We look into the book of Acts, and Stephen, the first martyr, the first man that was killed for his faith, he was accused and condemned to death by who? By the religious people. They will just home in on genuinely righteous people to take them down because religious devils want to be the most dominant. They want to rise up. They want to control. They want to influence. They want to dominate. These religious devils, uh, they come into, um, into a local church. Um, and I've observed things over the years. Uh, some of them, they, start, they come in, they start in the front row. They home in on everybody that's got leadership influence. And just start homing in on them and start working on them and, and tell them where they've been and all the wonderful things that they've done and how they're able to help and assist and so forth. And it's all, you did, there's a, there's a genuine in amongst all of that, but those bit of religious devil, they do that. Then others come in, they start in the back row. They start working on everybody down the back and work their way to the front. Start to get into people's lives, influence and say nice things, bit of flattery here, let me help you there. And one the thing is, gosh, you know, I mean, it's like there is a very genuine, let's all help each other. But those with religious devil, you see, most Christians shouldn't have to overly concern themselves uh, uh, and, or be afraid about these things because if there's good leadership in place, uh, they will deal with people with religious spirits. I've dealt with a few of them over the years. Uh, um. And you know, sometimes you get a you get a hold of a Christian who is forever condemned. You just encourage them, and you just you know you just encourage them. Come on, you know, let's uh, you, you know you 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 you're doing better than what you think you are. Don't let the devil condemn you. Encourage them this way. But you get to that crowd over here, these people, they don't take hints. They they don't take hints. They, those you got to you got to confront. And it's never pretty when it happens. It's not something that one would enjoy. You know, a couple of times, uh, I've, I've talked to different people, some of my friends, I, and, and I've sometimes talked to Peter. and I said, look, I, says, I'm, I didn't enjoy this meeting. I, I didn't enjoy this, this deal, but it had to be done. You see, God places shepherds to watch over the sheep. And, of course, uh, the, the fiercest uh, uh, you know, uh, response is required for those who are outright wolves, just absolutely just deal to them um, and, 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 and run them off. But then you get goats, you get religious spirits. that's a bit harder to deal with and sometimes a bit harder to pinpoint. Uh, but once, you know, once this thing has revealed itself, then you just, you just you know, you try to encourage them. But sometimes if people cling to the devil, it's difficult. It's just never easy. Not something that we would enjoy, but that's why God places leadership over people who watch out for everybody's souls. Watch out for people's spiritual well-being and, uh, so that we don't let the devil come in and run havoc in people's lives. In Luke chapter 23, verse 10, meanwhile, the chief priests and the other religious leaders, that was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were shouting their accusations. See, the religious devil is also one of accusation. They're the accusers. And if there's no- nothing real to accuse of, they will make stuff up. And because in this instance here, they stirred up uh, the people, they stirred up Pharaoh, uh, should I say uh, Pontius Pilate, to crucify Jesus. They stood there shouting their accusations and nothing's changed. The same devils still do that today, accusing genuinely righteous people, genuinely righteous leaders, and so forth. Nothing has actually changed. Um, and uh, as we've said earlier on, uh, down in um, Acts chapter 13, in fact, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here in verse 49. It said, so the message of the Lord was spread through the whole country. And the Jews stirred up some of the important religious women and the leaders of the city. And they started trouble against Paul and Barnabas and forced them out of the area. So who started the trouble in Paul's life and ministry? Well, earlier on, he was a troublemaker until he he got saved. He was a Pharisee, and he killed Christians, and now he's standing for righteousness, preaching the gospel. Now it's the same religious devils that he used to mix with and now against him and want to take him down. Um, And in the case of Stephen, again, it was the religious people that uh, grabbed him and put him before the high court, and in the end, they were the people that threw the stones or incited the mob to throw stones uh, to kill them off. Of course, we live in a civil society, um, so we don't throw physical stones anymore, not in our country anyway, but gosh, I've seen a lot of mudslinging, I've seen a lot of maligning, I've seen a lot of things that, were, that leaders were accused of that were just all made up stuff by religious devils who didn't get their way in a certain setting and so forth. Um, in Second Timothy... Chapter 3, verse 12, and he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So Paul is just finished talking about that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, uh, proud, disobedient, bolsters, and so forth. He's still speaking about the last days. Now, when he spoke to that was 2,000 years ago, and he says, these evil men and these imposters, these pretenders, uh, they will get worse and worse. He says, they're deceiving and they're being deceived. And then, you know, sometimes when somebody tells a lie and they know it, it's easier to detect that they're lying than when you're dealing with somebody who tells a lie, but they don't know it's a lie. They, they think they're telling the truth. It takes double discernment to work out what's actually going on there. And uh, so I say, there is a major deception all around us. It's on television, and I'm talking religious deception. It's on radio, it's in magazines, it's online, it comes to us via newsletters. It's just, it's just everywhere it's lurking, everywhere to try to get into your life, to try to get into the local church to kind of do its own thing. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, um, right through to verse 4, speaks about the life of Jesus here and his interaction with the Pharisees again and with their uh, pretense and so forth. It says, by this time the crowd unwieldy, and stepping on each other's toes, they numbered into thousands. But Jesus' primary concern was his disciples. He said to them, watch yourselves carefully so you don't get contaminated with the Pharisee yeast, the Pharisee phoniness. What's their yeast? It's their phoniness. It's their teaching. It says, you can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you will be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. So the point is, don't put on a mask in the first place. Be authentic. Be real. All right, don't get tempted to think that you've got to put on a mask because it'll slip somewhere. And a friend of mine said, he says, some of you that think you wear a halo, he says, make sure that that halo doesn't slip down and strangle you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's like an area there. Just be normal, be authentic. And that's what Jesus is saying. Beware of the yeast uh, of the Pharisees. Their phoniness, their pretense, their acting. It says you can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day is coming when those whispers will be repeated all over town. And I'm speaking to you, as dear friends, don't be bluffed into silence or insincerity by the threats of religious bullies. True, they can kill you, but what can they do? But then, what what can they do? There's nothing that can they can do to your soul, to your core being. And I guess that leads me to the next point here is that religious bullies tend to be very vocal and opinionated uh, with their religiosity. You don't get a religious spirit uh, that's sitting on a person or in a person's life. You don't get them being very quiet. They're usually very opinionated. give that two bobs worth in every setting, in every situation. I remember when Pastor Vanessa and I were in Bible college, I was a man there for one of the years. I forget if he was there for both years, um, or just for the one year. But after every lecture, when we got together somewhere and we had morning tea uh, in that setting, that was kind of a day, Bible college that we went to. There was this man there, and he was just, he had a slant on everything that was taught in the last... uh, Preaching said, just had a slant on on everything, you know. Just loved to just give everything a bit of a tilt. This, that that's how it was said over here. He gave it a tilt and he put it this way. And he just always, I guess, I guess, looking back now, didn't realize what was happening at the time. Uh, he just wanted to be the last voice on everything that was said and taught. Uh, he just had to either approve or disapprove. I remember many years ago now. Um, And I won't mention any names, but even if I did, most of you would not uh, be aware of who this person uh, is or was. We are now talking in the early days in the life of our church. Most of you would not have been there. There was a person sitting in our auditorium, part of our church for all intents and purposes. And during preaching, this uh, person would sort of sit there with their eyes closed. (laughs) And I would preach and they would go nod head and approving of what I was preaching and occasionally <laughs> you'd almost feel like coming down after preaching and said was that okay for you today <laughs> uh, I put up with it for a while um, I've grown a bit more gracious over the years in some areas, but then less gracious in other areas. There's certain things. I'll tell you, I've come out of a religious environment. I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. I can spot phonies from a mile away. Uh, and some of you have as well. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When you've been brought up in a religious setting and you come into the truth, it's just like, wow. You know, it's like, wow. All of that phoniness that we put up with and everything that they've imposed on us, it's just unbelievable. So anyway, so this person just sit there and, and it's a, I approve, I approve, we weren't saying anything but visibly nodding their head, you know, looking like really spiritual, really spiritual, closing their eyes. I approve and sometimes I disapprove, I disapprove, I disapprove. Um, I went into another setting a couple of years ago. Um, a service was held there, a special kind of service. And uh, people were already sitting down getting ready and the ministers sitting in the front and, uh, and this minister, sort of looking up into space as if he saw something, and he sat there for about 20 minutes, looking up, never looked at the congregation, just gave this appearance that he was having some vision of something, which, of course, he wasn't. He's was just a pretender. And I'm thinking, religious spirit, right there? Just be normal, for goodness' sake. What is all of that nonsense all about? Come on, now. I mean, gosh, I just some of that, just, just, it's just unbelievable. But. Gullible Christians fall for it. I think, wow, this is amazing. Look at this man. He's the the spiritual one. (laughs) And and as I say, whatever it is, whether that's dress, acting, using the right language, whatever it is, eating all the right foods, whatever it is, it's religion. It's religion. So very opinionated and very vocal. James chapter 1, verse 26, If anyone thinks himself to be religious piously observant of the external duties of their faith, and the word there is external, all right, of the external duties, and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, it's futile, and it's barren. Here you have it. People that don't know how to bridle their tongue, they need to add something to everything that's been said. They need to put a slant on it, to everything that's already been taught and, they, and need to re- reinterpret It's like it's religious devils. They, they just can't keep quiet. They cannot keep quiet sometimes I get into certain settings and you know, we praise God for the people that we ha- have fellowship with and sometimes, you know, we get into our conference, this is people of like precious faith and then I get into other settings and I fellowship with other Christians or with other ministers and so forth and sometimes things that are said that is not how I would see it and it's not my place to correct that, it's, I'm, I've not been sent there for, for that purpose you know, we, we agree in the spirit we talk about the unity of the spirit, we can't have unity of doctrine uh, Uh, We need it in the local church, but we can't have it across the board uh, because there's just different ways of interpreting different expressions and so forth. And so people say, well, why why don't you say anything? It's not my place. I've not been invited. Um, It's not my prerogative. Uh, um, I don't want to assume now that I'm the spiritual policeman to come into a setting that I've not been invited into to correct everything and straighten everything out. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. So they're very vocal and very opinionated with their religiousness. And number six, last point, the hallmark of those with religious spirits or with a religious spirit is pride and arrogance. I've come across some proud, proud people, that are so proud with their Bible knowledge, so proud with every, everywhere they've been and everything that they've done and everything that they understand and everything that they're able to explain. There's just a the pride there. It's just outright scary. Uh, and, and, and this is how... You see, God's called us to love people and to walk in humility. All right? But these proud uh, imposers and imposters, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 he says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with, with godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing. But he's obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. Because Paul was speaking into that very matter. Because they had arguments and words over genealogy, Right in that setting, and Paul says to Timothy, "Don't even get involved in it." And over words, meanings of words, feasts, special days, just around and around and around, he says, "From which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions." So I guess all of that to say that uh, that uh, religious spirits are recognised in this way is if I'm endeavoured to today, I've just got a couple of points, uh, and then we'll close the service. How do we actually resist uh, these devils here? Uh, One thing to recognize, another thing to resist them. Um, James chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore, submit to God. See, submit to God. Don't submit to uh, deceiving spirits. Submit to God. And once you've submitted to God, he says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Point number one, quickly now, resist any temptation of spiritual dress-up, faking, acting, or pretends. Just outright resist it. Once you're in Christ, you're righteous, okay? Uh, and and you, know, you know you might be struggling in a couple of areas, but don't pretend, all right? Number two, resist pride, stay humble, and maintain a teachable spirit. People with religious spirit where the devil really has got a hold of them can no longer be taught. All they want to do is argue, argumentative. All right, so we resist pride, we stay humble, and we maintain a teachable spirit. Let's just stay open for God to speak to us and uh, God to bring godly leadership around us to speak into our lives and that we remain open rather than getting our heckles up and, uh, and getting our backs up. Number three, make it a high goal to love people rather than to try to win spiritual arguments. Love people. Love people. Don't try to win spiritual arguments. So people with religious devils. They want to argue and argue and argue. You get the average Jehovah's Witness, They got a religious. The ones that run around in the streets, and come and knocking on doors. They got religious spirits on their lives. Don't don't get into argument. Many many of those will be able to out argue average Christians. Average Christians are not equipped to deal with them because they're focusing on aspects that average Christians have either not been taught or not not versed well enough uh, in. In, in, in regards to, you know, the, these matters. Then number four, serve people instead of judge people. If you're going around and you're tempted to judge this one, judge that one, judge the other, religious spirit not very far away might already be sitting on your shoulder. We serve people. We love people. All right. And it's sometimes not just keep your head down. Sometimes stuff goes over and stuff goes down, and unless we, we've been invited into a situation to speak about it, we haven't got the foggiest about a lot of things that are going on. It's best not to comment about certain things because uh, we don't know the full story. Uh, number five, do not entertain thoughts of condemnation. Confess that you're righteous. As I said, the devil will very much in the early days start on homing pushing Christians down with thoughts of condemnation and telling them that they're not the real deal, that they're not genuine and that they're not just over... Resist that outright. Confess that you've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And number six, be authentic and transparent. authentic, open to one another. Uh, we, we encourage authenticity um, in, in the outworking of our faith. We, we encourage uh, transparency that we can be transparent with one, an, one another, that if we, we're struggling in an area, say, I'm struggling in this area. Don't pretend you got it all together. As I said, religious devils will never let you see a crack in their armor, uh, uh, but eventually things slip down and their mask moves and sometimes you see the real deal uh, behind what's going on because Jesus says that we cannot fool people. We can fool people some, sometimes some at the time but we can't fool all people all of the time um, but then let's not be but gullible Christians either there's a prayer uh, at this uh, at the bottom of the outline there that I would encourage you to pray we're going to close right here in terms of the message and I do want to just open things up and perhaps if the worship team will be happy to come um Let's just look to God right now, and as I said, this is all I'm going to say about religious spirit for the time being, that we've come to the end of this, this particular theme, uh, message, and uh, I just really encourage you uh, in these areas that... Uh, that uh, that, uh, you know, let's just stay away from a lot of the stuff that uh, Christians sometimes uh, get involved in, uh, and let's be the real deal. Let's be genuine. Let's be authentic. Let's love people. Let's love God. Let's be excited. Um, let's, Let's be passionate. Let's have a zeal for Jesus, but let it be the genuine deal. Don't let it be the fake or the pretense. Hallelujah.